0: It's time for the Mad Dog Show, coming to you live from the Park Group studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Fincher's Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Go Clean Coat, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Ortho Georgia, Pelicano Construction, Jag's Pizzeria and Pub, Bib Distributing, the Butler Auto Group, the Park Group, Corporate Connection, the Dog Bone, and Bulldog Illustrative. Now, here he is, your host,
1: the Mad Dog. Welcome back. So, I'm going to dispense with the usual BS because I'm sick of it. I'm tired of coddling you telling you what you want to hear because it's not fair to you and it's not fair to me really because the reality is we're not as good as we were last year we're not elite not yet anyway but the good news is we've got plenty of time to become elite we have the players and we definitely have the coaches to do that and just because this is a bye week doesn't mean it's going to be easy it's not it's going to be tough love look i love our dogs you know that and i know that y'all love them too of course but seven games into this season i can't even put an identity onto this team i don't i don't know what they are other than they're they're very young and they're very talented are we elite defensively i don't think so i mean we might be elite compared to all the other defenses out there but historically elite like last year I don't think so i'm not even close to convinced that we're that we're elite like we were last year and are we elite on offense probably not i mean look listen i i'm just i'm trying to be honest here and we're in the trust tree we're here where we can share our innermost feelings and emotions and right now i i'm kind of scared about this team i i feel a little bit vulnerable about them and if you're being honest with yourself, you probably are too. I mean, look, you probably feel the exact same way that I do. And so we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, the big fat elephant that got slayed by a gang of redneck inbred volunteer hillbillies this past week. And we're going to talk about our fears, such as our inconsistent run blocking, because if you haven't noticed, that were inconsistent with our run blocking, then you need to have your eyes checked. Our running backs are routinely met in the backfield by the opposition. So there's that. We're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, our inability to get injured players back on the field. Dr. Ryan Snetzer with Ortho Georgia is going to help us with that. We're going to talk about what if we lose to that gang of inbred redneck hillbillies from the North but what about if we lost to the lowly lizards of Florida first and we have to talk about get ready. Cause this is going to be bombastic. It's it's heresy. It's it's borderline treasonous to dare think this much less utter it. And that my friends in the bulldog nation is this terrifying thought. What if we don't make it to the sec championship game? Huh? Have you thought about that? Okay. So, everything is going on the table now so let's start with the worst case scenario brace for impact because this is going to hurt a lot what if we lose out we lose to everyone including tech then what happens well we go seven and five and i'll tell you where we end up we end up at the wasabi fenway bowl that's right that is the name of an actual bowl the wasabi Fenway Fenway Bowl in Boston. I didn't make that up. It's an actual bowl game and it's on Friday, December 17th. Should that happen, I predict that we will play six and six Oklahoma. And what if we lose that game and we finish seven and six and we're the laughing stock of the college football universe? Okay, I warned you that first scenario is really bad. We had to get that out of the way. We had to face our worst fears, embrace them, and come to terms, and then move on to a slightly worser scenario. So, we lose out, but we beat Tech, and we finish eight and four. Still disgusting, I know. Now we upgrade our bowl experience, and we go to the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl in Shreveport, where we will be fighting it out With a seven and five Notre Dame, which I know is nauseating. But in this nightmare scenario, at least we would beat the panties off of those drunken Irish gingers by a score of 42 to 10. Next, a less worser situation. We beat Tech in Florida, but we still lose to Mississippi State. We still lose to Kentucky and we still lose to Tennessee and we finish nine and three. And suddenly we find ourselves. In the Big Apple on December 29th for another bowl that is a mouthful, the illustrious bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl. That's right. We're in the Bronx, and we're duking it out with New Yorkers, literally, because we play the 10-2 and 2 Syracuse men who are orange. The orange men. What does that mean? I don't know. You don't know either. But it means we win by a score of 50-7 to 7 to finish the year with 10 wins but we would still just feel like the tallest elf in the room. So there's that. And now a scenario that we wouldn't necessarily puke on, but we would dry heave all over it painfully. We finished the season 10 and two. Our two losses are to Kentucky and Tennessee. And now we go to the Tony the Tiger Bowl in scenic El Paso. Scenic El Paso are words I just uttered that are literally – Drowning with sarcasm because in the godforsaken land that is El Paso, we meet everybody's favorite mascot, the beavers, the beavers of Oregon State. Who likes beavers? Dogs like beavers, that's who. Our dogs will tear that beaver up, y'all. And once our dogs get that delicious taste of beaver on their lips, they will get worked up into a frenzy. And as a practical matter, getting beaver hairs out of your mouth is just simply no fun at any rate the dogs win 16 to 9 dogs on top 16 9 dogs on top 16 9 attention the next scenario is highly possible we finished the season 11 and 1 but our only loss is to tennessee however tennessee runs the table they're 12 and 0 so we don't go to the sec championship but hold on a second because in the west in the sec west Another team is 11-1, and, and it's not Alabama. It's Ole Miss. And so while they lose the Egg Bowl to Mississippi State for their sole loss, they also beat Alabama, thus giving them their second SEC loss. So now Bama's sitting at the house at 10-2. and two, No SEC championship for them. Tennessee beats Ole Miss in the SEC championship. Ole Miss doesn't make the playoffs because now they have two losses, Ohio State does make it because they run the table by virtue of their joke of a schedule. Tennessee, of course, makes it because they run the table. And the fourth college football playoff team, well, that would be us. Why? Our competition would be Michigan, who will have zero quality wins. Possibly TCU, but they will probably stumble at least once somewhere. And there's a remote chance that it would be UCLA. They play Oregon this week. Oregon's probably going to beat them, and of everybody that could possibly jump us, it ain't going to be Oregon, and I think we all know why. So all I'm saying is is get ready to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because in the next few weeks, listen, it's all going to come down to four games in 21 days. If we run the table, that's great because then the SEC championship is a de facto bye week Whatever happens, we're getting in. And again, what do I think is going to happen? My glass is half full always. I predict that we're going to go 15 and 0 and that the mailman is going to win the Heisman. And that's right. I, I still believe that's going to happen. And that's why we still have the mailman for Heisman shirts. Heisman's are one in the month of November. They're not one in September. They're not one in October. So go to themaddog.com www.themaddawg.com and get one of these shirts. Now, get yours, get it today, and let's get down to business. Let's get this show on the road. Get the picture, you guys. First, we rewind Fandy and we tee up the bye week. Second, it's the Mad Dog Injury Report, sponsored by Ortho Georgia, featuring former UGA offensive lineman Dr. Ryan Snetzer. Third, Bert Hodges from the Dogbone has stats to share next it's a head fake because it would be, and actually it should be the man, the myth, the legend that is Buffalo, but he is out sick. So then I pump fake because dogger our gambling guru is off this week. He is deep in his gambling lab, crunching numbers for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party next week. And lastly, we're going to round it up with me doing some ranking and some raving about the ratings, the rankings. First, let's go to last week's game. So, Vandy, do we really even want to rewind this game 55 to nothing? I mean, we've beaten them in the last two years, a combined total of 117 to zero. That's the second worst beating for two years in SEC history. Vandy sucks at football. That is not news. That is not a revelation. They hurt our strength of schedule every year. I got a crazy idea. Why don't we replace Vandy with Texas A&M? Texas A&M is a team that we have not played the entire time they have been in the SEC, and that is 10 freaking years, and that makes no sense, but I digress. Look, I'll shoot you straight. Once again, I was in the Sanford company skybox. Thanks again to John Neal and the entire Neal family for that. And so I'm up there and the complimentary candy bar is more interesting than the Vandy game. The the bottomless starburst jar distracted me. Then Champ Bailey came by to say hello. And he's a big distraction. Champ Bailey is a stud. He looks like he could play today. He, He really does. A lady sitting beside me, when he walked in, literally gasped and said, is that a movie star? And I laughed, and I said, yeah, the movie star who wears a gold NFL Hall of Famer sports coat. But in her defense, the guy does look like a famous movie star. And yet there he is, the most down-to-earth dude that you will ever meet. You, You talk to him, and he's so focused on what you're saying. Meanwhile, you got all these people around you, you know, clamoring to get pictures with him, bouncing off of him. And, and he's, he's focused on you and what you're saying. He makes you feel like you're the only one in the room and he's talking to you like you're old friends. And the ability to make you feel that way is rare for anyone, much less a star of his status. He just greets you with a smile like you're an old friend and you can't fake that. He's just totally genuine. And we recorded an interview with him several months ago and it, it was awesome. But when our producer went to edit it, There was a problem with the audio a big problem the interview was just simply unusable it was unairable we couldn't do it so we told champ about it and we said look we feel terrible we can't use this what did he say he said let's just do it again let's just do it again mad dog and to that i barked you've got it champ so that's coming there's that and i can't wait all right anyway Back to the game, if you want to call it a game. So, at one point, Stetson was 14 out of 15. Uh, We pretty much moved the ball at will, kept them from doing anything. For me, it was awesome to see Eric Gilbert not only back in there playing, also see him get his first touchdown. It was also awesome to see Cass Jones get his first TD. And so, again, I refuse to waste much time on Vandy other than to say I can't stand them. I wish that they would disband their pathetic football program and that we could replace them with a real football team. But enough about that, other than to say this about the mailman, about Stuquavius, also known as Stetson, Fleming, Bennett IV. He had an 80% completion ratio. Let me just say that one more time for you in the back. He had an 80% completion percentage. That means that for every five passes he threw, he completed four of them. He also had 289 yards and two TDs. Again, Heisman's aren't one in September and October. He's slowly building his stats. And when we get to the meat of our schedule, that's when he's going to show everybody again what he's all about. So let's focus right now on our next opponent. And that opponent is bye week. And Kirby's going to tell you and anybody else that wants to listen that the dogs will focus on the team most likely to beat them this week, and that is themselves. They're going to clean up things like inconsistent run blocking. They're going to tighten up timing. And hopefully, maybe most importantly, they will get well. Because when we hit the field for that Florida game, like I said, we will enter a 21-day span of four games that will determine our season and the only one that matters is the next one forget tennessee tennessee does not matter to us right now okay we play our most hated rival first we play the gaudy cheesy dudes wearing jorts and gold jewelry like ankle bracelets and the females with bad hairdos and too much makeup covering their wrinkled sun damaged faces sporting tube tops and yoga pants these same females whose body types dictate that they have no business in such attire. And then they litter the streets with this sideshow of obnoxious carnival clowns and circus freaks, all cheering for the lizards from South of our border. And if you don't think that they could ruin our season, think again, they've done it too many times to count. If we let Richardson run wild and get hot, then it could get ugly. Prepare again to be uncomfortable, prepare to mix up, extra-strong libations for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And oh, by the way, my inside sources tell me that some of you will be tailgating for this game from a parking lot in Savannah, pre-gaming for Widespread Panic's Halloween show, and I hope that we get to do all of the tricking and get all of the treating that day, but more on that next week, because now it's time for...
0: The Bad Dog Injury
1: Report with Dr. Ryan Schnitzer. What's going on, Dr. Schnitzer? Hey, Dave, good to be back. Good to have you back. Man, we got we got some guys that we, we can't get off the injured reserve. I mean, it looked like watching warmups that A.D. Mitchell had regressed.
0: Yeah, you know, it's hard to say, um, you know, it's coming off, it, it sounds at this point, you know, the way it's been going is probably, you know, that kind of dreaded high ankle sprain, right? They've just been right. taking it day to day. Um, so I think we now would be at what, like the four or the five week mark on that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are tough injuries to come back from, you know, everybody's a little bit, especially as a receiver having to really stress, stress that ankle. Um, hopefully with the week off, um, getting a little rest, getting a lot of treatment in, and the, uh, with the, with the training room that, uh, then getting back and get him out on the field for Florida.
1: All right. Let me ask you this. So you're coming off a high ankle sprain. You retweak it. Does the clock go back to zero or is it just Not kind of it's really, hard.
0: it's really hard to tell. I mean, certainly can it go back to zero? Yes, it can. Right. Okay. Uh, it just really depends on, you know, how much damage, how much, how much you've kind of re injured it, or how I mean, how much had it recovered before you got out there. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons they're probably taking him a little slow with him. They don't want to have that happen. Um, you know, and also I think for him, he's kind of worried about the same thing, Like, Hey, I really want to get out there. And sometimes that's a hard line to, to, to walk, you know, turning, you know, when do you let them get back out there? You know, Right. There's one thing playing hurt, and there's nothing playing injured. Right? You know, yeah. So you know these guys, they want to get out there and they want to play, but at some point, you know, you sometimes you have to hold them back a little bit. And say, look, we not you know, we we need to save you for the big for the big picture. You know, look at the whole season. You know, while the, while every game is important, you know, if you get out there now and and one play costs the rest of the season, then you know we, we got to be able to balance that and find the right time to really let them be, get back out there when they're when they're recovered enough to to want to be safe to themselves and be able to do what they need to do. Uh, and then be able to participate and uh, uh, bring value to what they're doing.
1: I've never heard that before. That's good. The difference between playing hurt and playing injured. That's that's a great way to put it. And yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's
0: a hard line. I mean, it really is. You know, you know, obviously, coaches and fans, we want to see them out there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes only the player really knows what they're feeling and, and what they're going through. And um, and they, they kind of understand, you know, what you know. There's certain things you can play through, right? Um, bumps and bruises, for se. I mean, not just that, but those are the easiest thing, right? You can play through that. Um, but, you know, we'll look at, you know, kind of, kind of 80 Mitchell with the, with the high ankle sprain, you know, you know, if he's limited or if it's cutting him, cutting him back or if he goes out there and gets it re-injured, I mean, he could be out for the whole year, you know? Right. Um, same thing with, with Jalen Carter and that MCL sprain, you know, we want to get him out there as soon as we can, but we got to let that thing really heal up because, you know, if he would get out there and push it early before it's healed, you know, there's a chance that he could re-injure it and even make it worse than it was to begin with and then be out for longer.
1: Okay, so Jalen injured it in the Missouri game. Mm-hmm. Next next game is Vandy. That's one week. Yep. Bye week is two. Florida is three. Is that enough time to come back from? He, that? He had the Auburn game in there too, right? Oh yeah, Auburn <laughs> game. So four. Yeah, you're right. Four, four weeks. weeks.
0: Right. So and what, what we've been hearing all along, is it was a grade one sprain. So I think that puts him. You know, at the very beginning, I was thinking, okay, grade one sprain. We're thinking two to three weeks. You know, that puts us right at the off week. He gets an extra week to get over that. Uh, and then he's back for the Florida game. So I think it's very, uh, very reasonable to expect him to be back uh, and hopefully be full speed in the Florida game.
1: So from there, Kendall Milton, he had a sprained groin, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's what they're calling a sprained groin, thigh injury, kind of. Right. Uh, you know, didn't play last week. Uh, you know, the, the, again, there's, 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 there's this thing is kind of those nagging things that you really just, the only thing that, he'll, that gets these things better is time. Right. Right. And unfortunately, you know, we only have seven days between ga- or six days between games. So time is really not on our side um, as, as one of the, I don't know if you watch hard knocks and when Dan Campbell yeah. talking about, you know, preseason, that first day of practice, that's his best. That's the best you're going to feel all year long. <laughs> Once you get going, you're going to be bumping and bruise. You're going to be, you're going to have something hurting at some point every day for the rest of that season. And so it's really got to understand that uh, and understand what you can do. But you know, you know, Milton's one of those things. Again, he's just going to have to get it, give give some time. The good thing is we got this off week to hopefully get these guys better. Really get work with uh, Rod Corson in the training room. The great athletic training staff there, um, and uh, get them better and get them back out on the field.
1: So the other big injury that I, that I'm aware of is is Smile Mondin. Mm-hmm. What what do you what do you think about him?
0: Again, you know he he, he he's missed Auburn and Vanderbilt. Again, they're calling it an ankle injury. You know, they're very tight, tight, tight-lipped about, you know, exactly what these are. You know, we've talked about it before, kind of the dreaded high ankle sprain, right? You know, you look at a minimum in six weeks with that. Uh, you know, so I think, you know, he's missed two games. got an off week. We're at week four next week. Uh, it's really just going to depend on on what it was, what type of injury it was, and we still don't really know what that, what that is yet.
1: All right, when you have a high ankle sprain, how does that typically happen? Is it you're pushing off? Is it somebody hits your ankle? It's several di-
0: different mechanisms. It's usually, kind of, it's going to be kind of a rotational injury. Uh-huh. So, your foot's planted and you turn, and it's really like a tear or a stretch of the ligaments between the two bones in the in the lower leg. Okay. Uh, so, it's called the interosseous membrane. Exactly what it's called. I mean, it's that it's the kind of like the connection between the the, the tibia and the fibula at the lower part of the ankle. Um, and you know, then there's certain degrees. You know, it's a complete tear, or is it you know, it's a stretch or an injury, but. You know it just takes a while to get over that. So but is it normally it's from a, a plant and then a turn or or somebody maybe grabbing their leg and turning it, and, you know, I'm not saying that somebody purposely did it, but when they're getting tackled and they're getting grabbed and that can happen that way. Um,
1: gotcha. Yeah. It's it's just one of those things where, you know, you hear about it all the time and then I've never really thought about or you you never really see that that happen and and, and go, okay, yeah, he definitely has a high ankle sprain based on what just happened.
0: Yeah, it's really I, I, you know it's hard to say when you see them happen in person. It's really hard, you know. Occasionally, you can see, and and from seeing enough of them, I can tell you, okay, that's definitely a high ankle sprain. Um, but a lot of times, they're really uh, when you look at them, they're fairly benign when you first see it happen. And it's just kind of localized. Of where is that? Where do they hurt? Right? Are they hurting more kind of towards the foot? Kind of that low ankle sprain? Or are they hurting higher up the ankle and going up the leg a little bit for the you know for that high ankle sprain? Gotcha. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, they're a very common injury we see. Um, And it it just takes time. I mean, you know, there's really not a whole lot. There were some, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a big talk with uh, Jalen Hurts, and I think two had the surgery on their ankle for the high ankle sprain. Right. Uh, You know, I don't think that's really an indicative procedure or something that should be done. Um, Certainly there are people out there doing it. Obviously, you know, the guys in Athens aren't really – Pursuing that, which I think is probably a good idea, but uh,
1: so that's kind of controversial then to some aspect because you're you're just all you're doing with that is is, is a procedure to get them on the field quicker.
0: Correct. Yeah. So they're basically going in and putting what they call a tight rope, right. basically between the two bones. So they're drilling a hole through the bones, putting uh, a piece of rope uh, between them and pulling it tight to to recreate that that interosseous uh, membrane that ligament between them. Um, So, you know, obviously it's a fairly straightforward procedure, but it's also, it's a procedure. And with any procedure, there are complications that can happen, right? Right. And so putting somebody through that type of procedure for an injury that really doesn't require, that's going to get better on its own with just time. Uh, So it makes it kind of a a very controversial, uh, you know, procedure to be done.
1: I didn't know we were going to get into controversy today. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, who else is on your injury list? Is there anybody else that you're watching that you're concerned you know, about?
0: You know, obviously we saw Aaron Smith come back. You know, he, he's playing. You know, maybe maybe a little slow. I think a little hesitant out there still, but it's good to see him get it get back out there and yep. uh, and making some plays. Um, you know, I think that's really about about it. I think we t- touched on most of it.
1: Yeah. You know, yep. obviously the Lambeau
0: McConkie went down. Right, it was like another in- ankle injury. And I think uh, uh, Coach Smart after the game said he he thought that if you know, if it would have mattered, he could have gotten back in. Okay. So it didn't sound like it was too much. Again, uh, they keep things pretty tight-lipped. So we, we don't know really what it is. Um, you know, he was able to walk off. did have a pretty significant limp there. Um, and they obviously like, kept him out for the rest of the game. So, you know, that's one to watch. You know, good thing is he's got a week to recover and then another week to get ready for the game. and then um, So we'll see where we are. But, you know, certainly the receivers have been banged up this year. You know, that's where I feel like the majority of our injuries uh, have come at receiver uh, to have you know, a position that we were already kind of thin at to begin with, yeah. And so it really kind of it kind of hurt us. I think hurt the offense, um, kind of coming together and 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 jelling a little bit, having you know multiple different people roll through there. Uh, so it'd be nice to get get some guys back and get a little more stability to uh, to the receiving core.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and back to McConkey, if if Kirby saying he could have come back in and played if he had to, that tells me that that's probably not a high ankle sprain.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what you would think. You think it's a low ankle sprain, probably a very, pretty fairly minor injury. Um, and I think in a big game, he's back in there. Um, but I think a game like that where we we had it well in hand, you know, holding him out, giving him rest, not letting him uh, aggravate it anymore was, was a good call.
1: Yeah, I mean, if anything, it feels like a lot of times we're leaving our starters in there too long.
0: Yeah, you know, you certainly want to keep them in there, keep them fresh, and, you know, um, you know, the – the only way to get better is to get out there and get more time in there, you know, and it's hard. You've been beating up on each other and practices for since August, you know, so it's nice to get out there and hit somebody else, you know, then you want to get those second guys in there, right. You know, because of these injuries, you got to have somebody in there ready to go and you want to have those second and third string guys, you know, had some real game time reps. Um, So, you know, again, it's, it's a line you gotta, you gotta balance. Um, You know, you want those first string guys to get better and and continue to improve, but you also want those, you know, those younger guys to, to learn, what to do so you know when when do you put them in there right i mean it's hard it's hard obviously you know you try to get them in you know it's a meaningful playing time so you want to get them in earlier in the game third third quarter right you know fourth quarter into the game both teams really have their second string in by then so is that really meaningful playing time i mean a little bit but still they're not getting those reps against the first team first uh, first team guys for the other team true uh, so you know again it's, it's just one of those decisions coach has to make you know uh, obviously, you got to balance that with with the risk of injuries. Um, but I mean, it's football. Injuries happen, uh, unfortunately. I mean, it's a uh, it, it's a it's a great sport, but it, it's brutal. It's hard, and, and you got to understand that. You know, that's just part of the game.
1: Well, you've got homework for next week. The homework is you are to come back and tell us that everybody is back for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That is that is your job.
0: I certainly hope that I can do that. That would be a uh, that would be a great day for all of us.
1: <laughs> Doctor Ryan Snetzer from Ortho Georgia, once again, thank you very much, sir. All right, I appreciate it, David.
0: It's time for this week's lowdown with the Dog Bone
2: Report.
1: Welcome back, Burt Hodges from the Dog Bone. How you doing, my friend? Mad Dog, how you doing? Man, I'm good. We're seven and zero. We're undefeated, and we're number one, and we're the reigning national champ. So I don't know much better I could be. And a bye week couldn't come at a
2: better time.
1: It know? really, really could. I mean,
2: just listen to that injury report. All the guys have been out for weeks that we really need to get back for this four game stretch. I mean, yes. man, this this bye week couldn't come at a better time.
1: I, I could not agree more. You know, it's we. It's <laughs> time we can take a little break, savor where we're at. I think, before we basically run the gauntlet.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad, you know, after that scare we had with Kent State and Missouri that we've kind of bounced back these past two weeks and we start to – you know, there's things that were going wrong in those two games, we're kind of figuring out. Um, So, we're going into this bye week feeling good, I think. You know, I mean, it's not like we're feeling after the Missouri game where we're like, man, what kind of team do we have? Um, Right. You know, we kind of, you know, looking back on it now, if we're seven games in the season. You know, those two games were really just anomalies, I think. And, you know, we had a lot of things go wrong that had to go wrong to keep those guys in the game, um, mainly turnovers. You know, we turned the ball over, what, five or six times in those two games. Um, you know, we're going to keep teams in it doing that. But if we play our game and don't turn the ball over, um, not many teams are going to be able to hang with us.
1: I agree 100% so you know we talked about the fact I, I read an article i think it was on the dog bone uh, that you know tennessee's probably going to be a 330 game we know that florida's going to be one mm-hmm. what other kind of what other kind of stats and factoids have you dug up
2: well, um, you know, a few weeks ago when I was on, we had discussed the, the, the ultimate stat, the stat that tells you whether you're a national championship contender or not, and that's net yards per play. Right. And I told you back then that it kind of had to cycle through a little bit. We had to get, you know, at least midway through the season before you could start to really see the cream rise to the top. And, um, and it has now. I mean, we're at, what, week seven. So, you know, the teams that are contenders, they're starting to show up in that net yards per play. Um, and there are really four teams at the top right now. Um, Alabama is at the top with uh, 2.96 net yards per play, which means that for every offensive play, they average about three yards more than every defensive play. So, um, yeah, right around three, you're a national championship winner. And Alabama had a weird start to the season. They, like, jumped all over some of these cupcake teams where they were averaging eight yards per play on offense and giving up two yards per play on defense. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of – they've come back to the pack now. Um, And so we're right behind them now. We're at uh, 2.83 yards per play, which is – Right where we ended up last year. Really, so Bama one, we're two. Um, surprisingly, Ole Miss is three. They're at two yards per play.
1: Okay. And
2: um, the 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 guy that get the picture. He posts this every week, and he says to be in the college football playoff, you need to be above two. If you're above two, you're probably a, a CFP contender. If you're above two and a half, you're probably national champion. Last year, we were at 2.8-something, won the national championship. So, one, two, three, Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Tennessee is in fourth at 1.87 yards per play. And really, the primary reason is because their defense has just given up so many yards. I mean, their offense is great, obviously, but defensively, they're giving up five-and-a-half yards per play Whereas we're giving up 4.4 yards per play, I mean that yards a big difference in in total stats. So this um, stat this,
1: this stat is just fascinating to me because it's something that I've I've never heard about till you brought it up, and just the correlation between you know where you rank in that stat and how it you know translates into where you get whether you even get to the CFP, you know what national champions look like. And so, like for the other contenders, like where is Clemson on that list?
2: Yeah, so he he just does a rundown of the SEC, okay. and um, so I don't know where everyone is at nationally. I know Ohio State. I'm pretty sure Ohio State has one. Um, Clemson does statistically does not look very good right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've had a couple of good games. They look good against NC State. But statistically, if they continue to play the way they have, they're going to lose to somebody. Um, They're not playoff material right now, not meaning that they can't be, but they haven't played that way so far. Um, But within the SEC, it seems like there's a clear pecking order of four teams at the top. And then there's this big pack in the middle, which includes – Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, LSU, Mississippi State, and Texas A&M. They're all at around 1.2 to 0.5. They're all kind of right in that range, which you're decent. You're going to go 4-4 and in the SEC doing that. Um, But, you know, you're not going to go to the playoff. And then there's the bottom of the barrel, and that's Vandy at negative 1.4. Arkansas surprisingly is huh. at negative 0.06 and then Auburn and Missouri at 0.2 and 0.32. So mm-hmm. those bottom four teams, I mean, you, and you can see it too. I mean, Auburn obviously has struggled. Missouri hasn't won an SEC game, right? right. Um, Arkansas, you know, I mean, they played well at times, but at other times they have and They've really kind of come back down to earth and then get yeah, Vandy's Vandy. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at Vandy, and this was a surprising thing about last week, and this really gives me hope for our defense, is Vandy was averaging 30 yard, thirty points per game coming into our game. What? They, yeah, they scored 28 points against Ole Miss the week right. before we played them, and we completely shut them out. So, um, you yeah, we, uh, know, we made their stat look even worse because – they didn't score. They only had the ball on our side of the field two times, I think.
1: And and so a, a team that's at the top, like Ohio State, they're going to be at the top because their schedule's full of nobodies. You know, the, the, yeah. best, the best team on their resume is Notre Dame. Notre Dame's three and three. Just lost at home to Stanford. Um, and so they're going to juice those stats by virtue of who they play.
2: That's it, and, and they have so far this year. And to just to draw a comparison with Ohio State, because I was reading something about this earlier today, let me give you the rundown between us and Ohio State right now. Please. Um, right now, on offense, we're averaging 41.7 points per game. Okay. On defense, we're giving up 9.1 points per game. So I- our average margin of victory is 32.6. Okay. Pretty good. About like last year. Yeah. I think we averaged 32-point margin of victory in our SEC schedule last year, which is incredible. Right. And it's incredible we're doing it again. Ohio State, 48 points per game on offense, 15.7 on defense, 33-point margin of victory. So we have basically the same margin of victory Ohio State has at this point.
1: And they've played all cupcakes. Yeah, if you look at, and I'm going to talk about this later, the the cumulative record of who they played, it's a losing record. Yeah. Versus us, it's a winning record. Um, And, and their, their stats are juiced by, of all people, Toledo, who has the best record of anyone they've played. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy.
2: It is crazy. And yet, you know, they still get talked up, and street has got them at number one right now. And, you know, it's like, prove it. Prove it to somebody. Besides your week schedule, and I think they've got. I, when do they play anybody?
1: They don't. They don't play anybody until they play Michigan. That's crazy. And Michigan's no in the state. Michigan. Michigan's in the same boat. They don't play yeah. anybody. I mean, right.
2: it just comes down to that for them.
1: Right, and I'm. It's funny you're bringing all this up because I'm about to get into that later on my rankings. But it's 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 like we've got a hive mind right now, and we're thinking the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know the other thing about
2: the that defense defensive points we've given up that's kind of crazy is for the year we have given up um, 64 points on defense. Alabama gave up. 52 points last week. That's nuts. In 7 games we've given up 64 points. Bama gave up. Now, you know, granted we we got we got the meat of our schedule coming up. So, right. you know, it's it's proven time in the next 4 games and those stats aren't going to look the same after we get through this 4 game stretch, but um you know, we we haven't played the cupcake schedule that Ohio State has.
1: Let me let me put you on the spot and test you so you've already said how many points per game we're averaging you said it's nine point what 9.1 what at this point last year was that number
2: it it was lower it was a little bit lower um I want to say it was like seven or eight it wasn't that much lower and and,
1: you know everybody came into the season saying that our defense was going to be at least a touchdown worse so so far that's not true
2: it really is remarkable if you think about the fact that we had five defensive starters go in the first round of the NFL draft and we're back to almost where we were last year.
1: It's crazy.
2: <laughs> I mean, and it's-, it's a tribute to coaching. It's a tribute to us just recruiting guys at the positions we need to plug them into. You know I mean? If you look at, like, for example, Jalen Carter. You know, Jalen Carter goes out. We're like, man, our best guy on defense is out. Well, we plug in Bear Alexander in certain situations. That guy's an animal. He's all over. <laughs> the deal, you know. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, you know, we lose uh, Lewisine and Malachi Starks comes in and yeah, right. it's playing right away. So um, yeah, that is, it, our recruiting has been off the chart, but recruiting defensively. Has been, and I think this is one of the things that Alabama fans looking like long range view have been fretful about is when Kirby came over, he basically stole Alabama's defense. And what we're doing now on defense is what they used to do, which is have five or six guys go in the draft and then come back and dominate again on defense the next right. year. And they don't do
1: that anymore. And not only did he, do that but he you know he was the best recruiter they had and so now Mm -hmm. because of that you know he's you know it's almost it's not a total zero-sum game but to some extent it is and so you see Alabama starting to have to do things like go into the portal to get their first string uh, running back in Gibbs Mm
2: -hmm. because they don't
1: they don't have the depth there you know they got to go into the portal and take a disgruntled receiver from us because they don't have the depth there. And, you know, they did that the year before with Jameson Williams. And so when you see that pattern repeat itself, it kind of, to me says that they're starting to get some chinks in the armor.
2: It does. And, you know, I, I'm not going to be quick to bury Bama because we've wanted to bury Bama, you know, many times over the years, they've still got the number one recruiting class for this year. Um, they had the number one recruiting class of last year, but, but, it just feels a little bit different. Like something's just not gelling the way it used to be. And, you know, if you listen to a lot of Bama fans, they, I mean, they are really down on the coaches, like the Pete Golding, they are really down on Bill O'Brien, they're really down on. Um, And that's the other thing, you know, not only Kirby leaving, but, you know, Kirby was a very talented defensive coordinator and now he's our coach. And so, right. Whoever they plug in a defensive coordinator is not as good as Kirby Smart is. At right. D coordinator. So, right. Um, and it's obvious now. You know, I mean, who knows how many points we're going to give up to Tennessee, but um, Kirby will probably be beside himself if we give up 52 points to him.
1: Yeah, I just don't see that happening. Uh, it was, but it's so hard to fathom an Alabama defense giving up 52, and they did it. And, and Tennessee made it look easy.
2: They did. Um, you know, it was really surprising that they that guys were so wide open that their secondary looked so bad, and Bama didn't do themselves any many favors. You know, I mean, we had our game on at the same time, and so I was flipping back and forth, so I didn't watch everything. But you know, just watching the penalties, the the muff punt, you know, things like that. I mean, they they did everything that they could to. To keep Tennessee in the game, if they wanted to put it away,
1: the punt was inexplicable. I mean, but it was so awesome because anytime you could get a good Saban rant on the sideline where he's just you know going bananas, it just <laughs> it just makes me feel all warm inside. I mean, it's just- it really
2: does, you know, because those are the things that break games. You know, I mean, if you look at like. Kent State, for example, you know, McConkie muffs that punt, and it's just one of those things that's going to keep the other team in the game. And Saban knows that, and he's watching that stupid play, and he just loses his mind on the sideline because he knows this is a play that turns the game, you know? Right. Yep.
1: But, you know, they they got basically got it back on that fumble towards the end where it just felt like Tennessee was about to just hand it to him.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it sets up a a great, great matchup in Athens. I can't wait for it. And, you know, it's about time. I mean, you think the last time Tennessee beat a top 10 team was us in 2006. And that year we didn't deserve to be a top 10 team. We ended up not being one, but we were when we played them. And, um, you know, 16 years is a long time. So those guys are pretty, pretty fired up right now.
1: But, but Bert, we've got to, we got to focus on Florida first. We do. Yeah. Because, I mean, we got, we got to, we got to focus on all four of
2: these games because, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a a pretty tough stretch. We haven't had a stretch like this in a while where we go Florida, Tennessee, rank Mississippi State, rank Kentucky, both on the road. You know, all
1: four of those games, you know, are going to be challenging. And it's in a 21-day span that we do that.
2: Which is why I was saying, thank goodness we have a bye week and we can get everybody healthy. And, you know, I mean, really my main hope out of Florida is just let's get a W and let's stay healthy because we need all those guys who are coming back. If they can't come back for Florida, hopefully they'll be back by Tennessee um, and we don't lose anybody between now and then.
1: And it's important to remember this. I mean, Florida is dangerous. I mean, their game against Tennessee, they just practically they just ran out of time. I mean, they were down there at the end of that mm-hmm. game. You know, yeah. basically on the thirty. Uh, yeah. I mean, it it was it was close. Yeah, and it rides on Anthony
2: Richardson, and you don't know what you're going to get from him. At times, he looks great. At times, he looks like he doesn't care. Like, watching him at the end of the LSU game, he threw a fourth down pass, which was their last play of the game. He walked off the field like he just didn't even care. You know, like, right. it's just another loss, so what. Um, but at times, he looks great. It's just, uh, you know, which one are we going to get?
1: Yeah, it's like Bo Nix. Are you going to get the good Richardson or the bad one. Hopefully, you are going to get the bad one because he, man, he yeah. can run like a he can run like a gazelle.
2: Right. I mean, you look at Bo Nix. I, I, it's hard to say which one we got this year because our defense played so well. But it, since then, that guy's been off the chart. Apparently,
1: yeah. <laughs> he's well. If, granted, he's in the Pac twelve, right? And the the game this week against UCLA will tell us a lot.
2: It will. Yeah, I know. I mean, who do it, do it? Do we want Oregon to win that game, I guess? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we, want,
1: I mean, we want them to win out.
2: Right.
1: Because it's like yeah. I was saying, if, if, at the end of the day, if, if it's us versus Oregon as to who gets in, it's us.
2: Yeah. I mean, they they can't really make much of a case there. Yeah.
1: No. No, they we can't. We left that on the field. No. <laughs> yeah. We, we left um, no questions on that one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got one more great stat for you, and this came okay. out of Saturday. Well, it didn't come out of Saturday. It was kind of punctuated Saturday. Can you tell me who our, um, our, the running back with the highest yards per carry is on our team? Right now? Right now. Running back, highest That's- yards per carry.
1: All right, it's one of the first four, right? It's one of our first four running backs top four strings no. no okay oh oh okay um hold on is it cash jones it's cash
2: jones it is wow cash jones. that guy is averaging a ridiculous 22 yards per carry right now
1: <laughs> what how many carries does he have <laughs> Oh, oh he's, he's got, got two for 44 44 yards and a
2: touchdown
1: uh, okay well then who's next
2: Kendall Milton.
1: I was going to say Kendall Milton. If yeah. there's top four, I you was going to say Kendall Milton.
2: Right, and he's been kind of – he's been dogged a little bit, just hesitant at times. But, um, yeah, I mean, statistically, Kendall is at, like, 6.2 yards per carry. Um, and then uh, Dajon's right behind him at, like, 5'7", and then Branson's right behind him. Um, but, yeah, Kendall's the only one over six besides Cash.
1: Let me ask you a question because one of my main concerns is it feels like to me, it looks like to me that our run blocking is just inconsistent. I mean, I see routinely, you know, the opposition waiting for our guys unblocked at the line of scrimmages. Am I, mm-hmm. is that just me or am I just focusing on the negative or? No, you're
2: right. And um, Graham Coffey, who writes for Dog Central, has been talking about that all year long. And what he has said is it's something about the run scheme that we run. It's a a gap versus zone run scheme. And apparently we were better in one than another. But really the X factor in all of it was Tate Rattledge and how healthy Tate Rattledge is and how well he blocks well apparently tate has really come around in the past couple of games like he really struggled earlier in the season and these past two to three games especially and we've kind of figured this out in the second half of the missouri game is we figured out which scheme works best and then tate has really come along and i think he's a lot healthier now so um yeah i think that and having Branson step up like he has has been a huge shot in the arm too. I mean, the guy looks 10 times more confident than he did at the start of the year when he has yeah. the ball. Yeah. Um, and that's huge, you know, especially with Kendall out. Um, yeah, I think we've got a stable of running backs that we can rely on.
1: Yeah, and the the scheme thing, I've heard that too. And, and then the conspiracy theorist in me just goes, okay, are we – like playing possum is it like kirby's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers and he's not showing how he truly wants to block a play until we truly need to block a play if that makes me if that makes any sense
2: it does and that that was another thing graham was talking about is that you know we have certain running plays that will run that are super successful like if you think back to the end of the missouri game when we were running those toss sweeps and just Biting off 10, 12 yards per play. Right. Um, you know, we really haven't done that much since. And he was talking about how Monk can, will kind of test these things out and just put them in his back pocket for maybe when we need them, but don't mm-hmm. use them if we don't really have to have them.
1: Right. So, Graham Coffee, who does he write for?
2: He writes for Dog Central and he has, um, he has a great update every Sunday. It's, it's like his 12 bullet points from the game. And you can find him at I, I think it's dogcentral.com and he's on Twitter. Um he's his handle is Dogs Out West. Um he he has a great, I mean, really insightful, really digs into like what we're doing right, scheming, what Monkins calling, all of that. So um it's it's worth a read for sure
1: so does his article feed into the dog bone
2: it doesn't so he he is a um you have to subscribe to his he, okay. he just changed that format a few weeks ago um but it's like 6.99 a month um yeah there are a few guys that i would recommend paying the money to read um and graham coffee's one of them seth emerson at, at the athletic if you get if you don't get the athletic seth emerson um, does a great job. Ob- obviously, UGA rivals does a good job. But uh-huh. if you don't want to go the pay route, Senator Blue Tarski would get the picture on our site. It's right. free, and he does a great job. And he links to a lot of that stuff and comments on it. Um, but yeah, Gr- Graham's twelve points on Sunday is is definitely worth the read.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely like those guys at GTP. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they they put out a good amount of content. That guy's
2: prolific. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he is so consistent and, you know, he puts out six to seven articles a day and they're all good. And, you know, he really, he does a good job of, you know, there's so much noise and information out there. He does a good job of kind of disseminating what we really need to know what's important. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he just kind of boils it all down to, "Hey, yeah. I know you. Maybe you've been hearing this, but here's the real deal."
2: That's it. Yep. Yep.
1: Oh, are you going to Georgia, Florida?
2: Headed down there. Yeah, this is our annual dog bone trip. So this is year number thirteen, I think, for the whole crew. Have our annual meeting, discuss <laughs> the upcoming year, and. <laughs>
1: the have, have everybody's annual review. Who needs improvement? Uh, That's right. Action yeah. items. So, so I guess this is um, the Hodges, the Wiggins, and the Jones families.
2: Yeah, and Stephen Ham.
1: And Stephen Ham. Nice.
2: Yeah. Right. So it's the four of us. Well, yeah. man. That, that yeah. Is- we'll go over strengths and weaknesses. Stephen's got a lot of weaknesses right now, <laughs> so we'll have to discuss those while we're down there. But um, <laughs> a SWAT. Over-
1: a SWOT analysis of everyone's strengths, weaknesses, <laughs> opportunities, and threats. Oh, they dread this. They dread <laughs> this. <movie>. Yeah. That <laughs> is so funny. Are you going down there? I, I'm not. I'll I'll be holding it down just up the road in Savannah. Uh, watching it from the lot of widespread panic.
2: There you go. Yeah. I mean,
1: that you know, how often are you gonna have that on Halloween in Savannah on the same day as Georgia, Florida?
2: it's like we're in college you
1: know I mean it is so the planets aligned so I just thought that that was yeah. a layup
2: yeah that's perfect and yeah. uh, are you going to Tennessee
1: I will be at Tennessee yeah all right
2: you
1: going, you going to that
2: I will not be at Tennessee we've got a lot of things going on here so I'll be probably have a party in the backyard and we'll watch it back there
1: there you go there you go yeah. Well, Bert as always thank you for joining us you have uh, tons of great insight Love your stats, especially the uh, the yards per play. And I want to talk about that more as the season goes on. Good deal. Yeah, we'll
2: update it in a few weeks and uh, see where we are. Hopefully, um, hopefully we're at the top then.
1: Sounds great, man. Happy birthday. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. 42. <laughs> All right. Talk Bye. soon. Bye. It's time for the Mad Dog Top And lastly, the Mad Dog Dirty Dozen is not going to happen this week. We're going to talk about the noise because there's been a lot of noise. There's been a lot of chatter, a lot of talk that we shouldn't be number one anymore. That Tennessee should be number one. And to that I say, Poppycock. That's a load of nonsense. Tennessee has no defense, and that was against an injured Bryce Young, and they're very lucky that Bama missed their field goal. Very lucky. Because if Bama doesn't miss that field goal and they make it, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to have a squib kickoff, and Tennessee's going to get the ball with about 10 seconds on their 30, and the game is over. Tennessee barely beat a pitiful Pittsburgh team. They, they beat an extremely average LSU team. And other than that, they've beaten Ball State, Akron, and Florida. And Florida gave them all they wanted until the very end of the game, and they simply ran out of time. So we are the reigning national champs, and we are undefeated, And we are number one, and we're going to stay that way until you beat us, Tennessee, you gaudy, orange-clad, sibling-marrying hillbillies. You are an embarrassment to the South and to the United States in general. The AP says we're number one, and the coaches' poll says we're number one. Every poll that matters says that we are number one. (laughs) Of course, unless you're Kirk Herbstreet, and you like to claim that your alma mater is number one, His alma mater being the Ohio State Brown-Eyed Chin Nuts. How convenient. How impartial, said no one ever. The toughest team on their schedule is Notre Dame. This Notre Dame is now 3-3 and and just lost at home to Stanford. The combined win and loss of the Ohio State Brown-Eyed Chin Nuts schedule, of who they played, well, I'm so glad you asked. Because the combined record of the teams they have played is 18-21. and So let's break that down. Oh, by the way, the only team that they've played with a winning record is Toledo. They skew it because they've got five wins against FCS teams. So pardon me if I'm not ready to anoint them as the kings of college football just yet. I'm going to have to see how they perform against their next Mickey Mouse opponent, at least. And that opponent is Iowa. Three and three Iowa comes to play Ohio State. Not impressed yet? Well, me neither. But they do play Maryland and Indiana and Northwestern. Powerhouses, they are not. It's like I'm making up this cupcake schedule. Ohio State literally plays a two-game season. They play one game against Penn State, who I like to call The Pedophilia State fighting Sanduskies. And Penn State this year is middle of the road at best. As always, trading on their logo, which, by the way, is a blank white helmet and possibly the most boring uniform ever to take the field. The other game in their two game schedule is against Michigan. Michigan is another team with a two game season. And by the way, their uniforms are the ugliest ever designed where am i going with this Well, where i'm going is the level of competition matters it matters who you play it matters how good they are and if you have a season full of teams that you play that are nobodies that are no good then you shouldn't be number one that should be taken into consideration and so at the end of the year when neither ohio state nor michigan win an addy My fellow Mad Dogs won't be surprised at all because you will simply say, Oh, yeah, Mad Dog told me a long time ago, again and again, that both of those teams are overrated. So, that's all for this week's show. Enjoy a stress-free bye week. Get your Mailman for Heisman shirts because I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Go to themaddog.com and get your Mailman for Heisman shirts. Oh, by the way, Ohio State, Ohio State, Brown eye chin, chin Nuts, Stevie Wonder wrote a song for you, and it's called You Ain't Done Nothing. Enjoy, and as always, go dogs. Cause if you really want to hear our views, you you have done no.